We were made for more than surviving. A week ago Friday, I was working on my pole barn. It was my day off, and my daughter called me, and I answered, and she said, Dad, will you take Jordan to the doctors? I'm at work. Will you take me, take her to, to the doctor? And I said, sure. And so she goes to Cornerstone. So I came through here, picked her up, took her to the doctor, came back. And lo and behold, someone had run out of gas in a truck and was straddled on all three lanes of our only entryway into our church in the driveway. In fact, parents were driving around this person on both sides into the grass. It was a little disturbing. Now, I was dressed up in my best work shorts, work boots, and dirty t-shirt, and hadn't shaved in a couple days. I was looking good. And I drove up, rolled down my window, and I said, hey, buddy, we're going to have to get you moved out of the way. And I went, and I dropped Jordan off, made sure that she went through the door at Cornerstone, and came back around. And I parked my car out of the way, and I walked up to him and said, hey, we need to push you out of the way. And so I got in the back of the truck, and with all my might, I pushed his truck as far as I could uphill, which I don't know if you know that drive goes uphill to the point that I couldn't. And I said, hey, we're not done. I got him out of the three lanes only into one, and I, and I, and I was thinking to myself, you don't, guy, you don't understand I've been hit three times, wrecked three times with parents of our daycare and our school over the last 30 years. You're in a dangerous location. Somebody's going to hit you. And you know what? He was oblivious. In fact, he said, buddy, I'm not pushing this truck any further. And I said, dude, we got to move it. Now, I didn't identify myself as a senior minister of First Christian Church. <laughs> not that I am embarrassed of you all. I am not. I love you in a great way. And I'm glad to be back this weekend. And somebody last weekend texted me and said, Chris, are you okay? And I'm thinking, why would you be asking if I'm okay? I just had a weekend off. I went to my, one of my favorite churches, Traders Point, on the northwest side of Indianapolis and enjoyed worship experience up there with them. And I text back, yeah, I'm fine. Well, you know, our whole staff was, had COVID, and we thought you might have COVID too. Not our whole staff, four of our families. And, and, and the last time I preached, if you thought I was being glib about them having COVID, I, I, and please understand if you're online, every Sunday is not NFL Jersey Sunday, but this happens to be Jersey Sunday. And I, I, I apologize to you for, for not... I, I love our staff. I'm just so happy that none of them ended up in ICU, and they're all back to work. Amen. Let's give it up for our staff, wonderful staff. I love them, and I, just, I mean, that was just an extra level of stress on me because I thought, somebody's going to end up in the ICU, and this is not going to be good, and I can't afford I mean, well, I, I love them. I don't want to lose any one of them. Amen? And we don't want to lose anyone. And so please, please understand. So, so anyway, I'm pushing this guy, and, and he won't go any further. He said, I'm not going anywhere. I said, dude, we got to get out of the way. You don't understand. Well, I understand I am not moving this truck anywhere. And, and you got to understand that I was a youth pastor. I've blown like three or four bus engines 
in my life here at this church. The first bus trip I took a bunch of adults to Indy, guess what? Blew an engine. I've, I have had no brakes and I've rolled through stoplights. I have broke down all different kinds of places on Indian reservations, on, in, in Lexington, Kentucky. We, we've, everywhere. But all, and I was stuck. And, and, and my blood pressure was getting a little high and I was getting a little angry. I gotta be honest. Now, I was keeping it in check because I didn't want to end up in jail. But I took a big breath and I said, dude, I'm going to call the police. Well, that made him mad. Well, you're just being rude. So I'm not trying to be rude. I'm saying that this is important. So then our, our administrator, our cool-headed administrator, rolls in. And he's, he's, he's more non-confrontational than I am. Okay, I'm a little bit assertive. Let me just say that. So he rolls in, rolls up, and he says, what's going on? I said, well, this guy won't get his truck out of the way. He says his brother's going to come, and, 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 and he ran out of gas, and he won't get out of the way, and I offered to push him. So Jay walks up, and he offers to push him, and also, hey, buddy, we'll buy you some gas and get you, you know, but can you move? I'm not moving this truck. Oh my gosh, this is misery. I mean, I am just like beside myself. Jay drives a truck, so you know what I did? I sat on his bumper. He said, Chris, you can go, you can go back to work. This is your dad. I said, no, I'm not leaving until something is resolved here. So finally, and Jay says, and then I walk up, Jay walks up to him and, and, and has, you know, said, hey, we'll push you out of the way. We'll offer you again in a nicer voice and in a kinder way. And the guy says, I'm not moving this track. I say, okay, so we're, I, I'm on a time, I'm on a stopwatch, and I'm thinking, okay, I'll give you 10 minutes, I'm calling the police, and then they will resolve this. And I look at Jay, and I say, I just don't understand why somebody wouldn't get out of the way. They just, he doesn't understand that we have hundreds of, of cars through here, and I've been hit three times, and he doesn't know the danger that he's in. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's crazy. When we repave, we're going to repave the parking lot this fall and we're going to line it and we're going to put some stop signs and stuff up because there are near accidents happening often around here. And so people just don't get it. And, and so finally his brother shows up under 10 minutes. It's been 15 to 20 minutes. And the guy says, see, there's not that many people coming through this. And I was like, dude, you've been oblivious to cars coming through here there were 15 to 20 cars in that just that few minutes and that wasn't even at a peak time and so then he he gets his gas and he backs up and and backs up on highway 40 and takes off and just you know hammers it down out in front uh, burning rubber and his brother comes up and says Guys, you don't understand. He, my brother's had a broken back. He'd been in an industrial accident, and he couldn't push that truck. And Jay and I looked at him and said, we'll push the truck for him. We just wanted to get it out of the way because this is a dangerous spot. People, you know, we have near misses all the time, and if one person doesn't pay attention, they will hit him, and we'll have a problem. And so what I came to... And, I, you know, this, this is something that I struggled with for a while. And you say, well, Chris, you're just a little bit wound up. 
But in Proverbs 22.3 and in Proverbs 27.12, God says through the proverb writer twice, he says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. I'm thinking this probably was a theme of this guy's life, that he didn't see the danger. And folks, our choices place us either in dangerous situations or in non-dangerous situations every day. And our life choices are so very, very important. I believe choices like voices call out to you. Can you hear them singing to you? And they are either soul conscious, God choices that bring us closer to him, soul conscious, or they are soul compromising, choices that diminish our relationship with God. Soul conscious or soul compromising. What kind of choices are you making? And do you realize the danger? We are starting an eight-week series called More Than Surviving, and each week we're going to look at a a Bible character, a real-life person who exemplifies some kind of biblical principle. And today we're going to look at Moses who faced, who, who faced, who was faced with many choices that had soul-compromising consequences. What kind of choices are you facing? Are they soul-conscious or are they soul-compromising? And like us, Moses' life was more than just surviving. If you're just barely making it, if you're just barely getting by, God wants more for you than that. And at times, aren't we there? Don't we struggle to get out of bed? Don't we struggle to have some energy to, to, to do the next thing, to, to, to take the next hurdle, to, to push that rock up the hill just a little bit farther? George Santana, Santayana, I don't know if I'm saying it right, he said, those who cannot remember the past are contend to repeat it. Don't you believe that's true? That if we don't learn, like my guy out in the driveway, don't you think we'll repeat it again and again and again until we make that right choice or we suffer for it over and over again. I've seen it with addictions. I've seen it with adultery. I've seen it in divorce. I've seen it in families. I've seen it with children. I've seen it around me. And I've seen people suffer for their choices. And that is so, so very important that people realize, you realize the importance of making soul-conscious choices 
in your life. If you're just starting out or if you're restarting and, and rebooting, whether you're, you're taking a moment and, and reflecting on your life and saying, hey, I want to do this differently, that's where those soul-conscious choices become so very important. And in Scripture today, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, and we're going to look at soul-conscious choices that Moses made, four of them. If you turn in your Bibles or your tablets, or if you have version, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. And the Hebrew writer writes, he says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now this is important because... Because there was a king's edict, there was a command to kill all those children. I've never met a mother that thought they had an ugly child. Have you? And when I read this scripture, I think, well, what made Moses any more special than any one of our children? But what made him special was that his parents were willing to make a soul-conscious choice to protect his life for as long as they could before the king's men would come and kill him. And then they put him in an ark and made sure it floated, and it floated down the Nile. And obviously some family member had to have followed it until it arrived in Pharaoh's daughter's arms. And if they could have manipulated a way for that baby to survive, they would have because that child was valuable to them. So in Moses' life, even before he knew what was going on, somebody had made a soul-conscious choice to save him. And then he exemplifies soul-conscious choices. And the first choice was that he he chose God's sovereignty over man's royalty. Now, if there could have been a superpower at that time in the world, in that era, it would have been Egypt. And he was born or brought or adopted into that household. And he was loved. And he had all of the amenities of being in Pharaoh's family. Can you imagine? He had a Jaguar chariot. It was a, a primo chariot. I'm just making this up. He had servants, he had slaves, he had the best of food, he had the best of everything. But instead he chose to follow God. Look in verse 23. It says, by, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 24, I should say. He refused that because he identified with his mother, his nursemaid. And the Hebrew people, he chose God over man in that moment. That was a soul-conscious choice. Do you choose the sovereignty of God over celebrity and popularity and renown in your lives? Whose example do you follow? It's difficult on social media. Do you measure your life by how popular and how many likes you get? Or do you choose to be popular with God? 
So he chose sovereignty over royalty. He chose persecution over pleasure. That's hardness over happiness. That is so, so very hard to do. That's choosing to get out of our comfort zone. That is choosing to endure pain instead of pleasure. That takes discipline. That takes self-control. Look at verse 25. The Hebrew writer writes, Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What do you choose in your lives? Do you choose the pain or do you choose the simple fleeting pleasures of sin? If you look around in our culture, we've accepted sin as a part of a lifestyle thing today. And we rationalize and we justify the way we are and what we do. And and anybody can rationalize anything in any way. And I've learned that whether it's the guy out in the truck in the middle of the road blocking the way, he had a reason to do that. He'd rationalize it in his mind. It was okay. I'd rationalize why it was okay for me to be upset that he'd rationalize that it was okay. Were we both kind of wrong? Probably. But folks, what does the Word of God say? How does... God guide us. And to what point does he guide us? Do we follow his commands, his precepts, his ordinance? Do we live by his grace through his spirit to be controlled by him? So Moses chose sovereignty over royalty, persecution over pleasure, and reward over riches. Now this is hard. This is hard because we have so much You are rich. I am rich. Do you realize that? How blessed you are by God. We take so much for granted. Look at verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. Now this is an interesting verse. First of all, of course, Jesus wasn't around in Old Testament times in Exodus, the second book of the Bible. This was really early in Hebrew history. And yet, Moses chose the Messiah, the prophet that would come. Even in Deuteronomy, Moses writes about the coming one. And he chose to follow him rather than to enjoy the rewards, the material goods that he could have had. He, 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 he enjoyed the, he could have had the riches, but he saw the reward of the Messiah that would come. And to me, that's amazing. That promise was so far off. I was talking to someone who identified themselves as an agnostic yesterday, and she actually had a rabbi that was an agnostic person, and she was surprised that What he believed and what he did didn't match what she believed and what she did. And they both, even though they were agnostics, had this Judeo-Christian kind of ethic. And she said, he doesn't live up to what I believe he should do. I'm thought, well, that's calling, uh, uh, that's calling, what is it, the kettle black, isn't it? I thought it was fascinating the pot, or the pot was calling the kettle black. 
Did I say that right? I thought that was fascinating. I said, well, you know, I grieve for the Jewish people because a lot of them are agnostics because they have not realized the Messiah has come. And so that promise had, is so far off. And the prophecy, they don't see that as being fulfilled. So there's a lot of agnostic Jews today. But, but she identified and she said, well, I'm kind of an agnostic Christian. I was raised up in the church, but I'm an agnostic. And I said, well, that's interesting because then, unlike us who believe the Bible and the value system of the Bible of what what God teaches about values, you are making up your own. And obviously, I'm not going to match your value system, and he is not going to match your value system, nor you his. Because then it becomes so subjective that anything goes, doesn't it? Where we have a bedrock is on the word of God. See, Moses realized that this is the guy had the commandments cut out of Mount Sinai by the finger of God. Remember? And then he came down and what did he see? He saw the Israelites idolizing and fornicating and doing all kinds of wrong things. And what did he do? He threw the Ten Commandments down and broke them, literally. And then what did he do? God took him back up to the mountain and did it all over again. Because those commandments were rock solid, weren't they? Friends, do we choose heavenly spiritual rewards over earthly material riches? What do you choose? So Moses chose sovereignty over royalty, persecution over pleasure, reward over riches, and finally eternal, chose the eternal over the temporal. He lived for the then and there. Look at verses 27 and 28. It says, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Have you heard the saying that he is so, or they are so heavenly minded that they are not any earthly good. Have you heard that before? I don't agree with that statement. Why? Because history shows that the people that change cultures, change society, change the way people thought were those that were believers that had their mind on the reward that was coming. Slavery was, was done away with through people like that. America was created through people like that. The freedom that we enjoy, the prosperity that we enjoy is because of people like that. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, those that had their minds set on eternity are the ones that make the difference in the present because they see the reward, that invisible reward. That's what drove Moses, and that is what will drive you in this life is keep your mind on the reward. You see, Moses chose 
God's glory over his own. He even wrote about it. Read the Bible in Exodus and Deuteronomy. You know what Moses said? He was the humblest man that ever lived. Humblest man that ever lived. He was pretty proud of that, you know? The question is, do you choose the eternal over the temporal? Where is your reward? Where is your focus? Where are your thoughts? Now, you might be a New Testament person, and I'm preaching an Old Testament concept out of Hebrews. But how does that Old Testament relate to the soul-conscious choices we make today? New Testament people. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is who you are. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Is that your identity? And then notice what he says in verse 11. Beloved, this is how God sees you. As those that are loved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Why? Because we know that we're just passing through this life. To abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. To make soul conscious choices. And then he goes on in verse 12. He says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. 20 years ago, Flight 93 flew over a Pennsylvania field. I've been there. Saw the memorial. The plane went down in a field. Todd Beamer knew that they were hijacked. He knew what the outcome would possibly be. But he took a group of passengers and they quoted Psalm 23 and he said, let's roll. And they gave their lives that they might save others. Soul conscious choice that he made that day to take action. He realized the danger. He was no fool. It wasn't simple. He gave his life. They gave their lives. That they might save others. Today, you have a choice in following Jesus. For you that have not received him as Lord and Savior of your lives. If you're online today, we encourage you to join us and, 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 and follow Jesus. But, but the deal is this. You're either a follower, an admirer, or a user of Jesus. You know users. I know users. I, I have some rentals. And, and when I'm, there are a lot of people that want to rent right now. And when I interview people, they've checked me out on Facebook. So they t- start talking God at that point. And guess what? If you know God and you're a Christian, you don't have to talk God with the pastor who's the landlord. But if you're a user, that's what you talk. And so they're off the list because obviously they don't know God. They're just trying to use him rather than follow him. And then there are admirers that say, oh yeah, I like 
Christians, I like Christianity. I used to go to church. I used to have a relationship. That's an admirer. But a true follower is faithful, consistent, living for him. That's not means, it doesn't mean that they're perfect. But they have chosen to follow Jesus, to adhere to him, even when they fail, even when it gets hard, because they have made a soul-conscious choice for him. Folks, today, that's a decision you need to make, to follow him, to make those soul-conscious choices. You've got to realize there's danger all around. Are you wise and prudent? Are you simple and foolish? Will you please stand as I pray?